Esther. Hey, Florian. All right, we're back with another week of Slater Pot. Uh, a lot of exciting stories to talk about this week. So I think first we're going to talk about the results of two of our uh, super agencies. We've got SDL and Transperfect yep. that have uh, announced their annual results. Uh, then you're going to walk us a little bit through our M&A report, language industry, mergers and acquisitions report and funding. And report. funding, yes. And to be forgotten. Yeah. That we published, I think it was Tuesday. Yep. And uh, then we're going to discuss something that I found very interesting. Amazon just published a research paper about machine dubbing. Let's talk about that. And then there's a strike going on in the Netherlands. Um, mm. Interpreters and translators are, strike, are on strike. So that's um, it's quite a story um, actually on our website. A, a lot of people are reading it right now. So, well, without further ado, uh, tell us uh, how the year has been for SDL and for TransPerfect. Yeah, so maybe kicking off with SDL. Uh, so they didn't officially sort of announce figures per se. Um, those figures will actually appear in their annual report uh, later uh, in March, I believe. Um, but as a listed company, they provided a trading update um, on how the year had been for 2019. Um, so overall, uh, I mean, they confirmed that the analysts' uh, expectations for the year were on track. So they were in line with previous forecasts that analysts had made. Um, so this roughly puts them um, what's well, still under the half a billion mark um, in dollars, but around sort of 488, 490 uh, million US dollars. So overall, I think about a 15% increase on 2018. Um, and a lot of that driven also by revenues coming from Donnelly acquisition, which happened in mid-2018. mid, mid 2018. So this will be the full year, um, first full year that they've reported inclusive of Donnelly for the entire year. So, uh, so just, just to back up for a second, so they didn't yeah. actually announce those figures, correct? Exactly. They basically just said, hey guys, we're confirming what the market, i.e. the analysts, right? The yeah. analysts at the, the brokerage firms uh, have expected. And exactly. are expecting from us and uh, we're confirming this. So we had to go back and dig through the analyst reports and the consensus estimates to actually come up with yes. those numbers, right? Yes. Yeah, exactly. And obviously they are reporting in um, British pounds. Um, so in British pounds, the sort of aggregate of the consensus was more along the lines of 375 million pounds. Okay. So, so we did. There, there's some... Foreign exchange factors in there. There's some exactly, um, yeah. You know, a few some, different, uh, a few different things still. But okay. I mean, that would that puts them probably well, well above um, the closest competitor, which would be RWS, uh, another listed company in the UK who reported back in September. In terms of so revenue, probably, right? In terms of revenue, yeah. Not in terms of market cap, however. Um, I mean, RWS's market cap is well over. I think. One billion. It's like two. Billion. It's like two it's billion. It's huge. I, I lose now. track. Yeah, yeah I they're, think, they're um, much more profitable. That's why. I mean, the market capitalization is essentially the value of the company. Um, the the company's shares on like as listed on the stock market. So sure. SDLs is around I think five hundred six hundred million. Uh, 740 million. Um, last time dollars. Okay, dollars. dollars. Yeah. Yeah. And oh yeah, dollars. Sorry. RWS is like two billion. So. Yeah. Okay, in terms of revenue, SDL is ahead. In terms of you know value of the company, RWS is uh, significantly ahead. 
Correct. Yeah. Cool. Um, and then on to TransPerfect, um, who's likely to retain the top spot in terms of um, being the largest revenue generator um, in the LSP space um, for 2019. So they announced revenues of just over three quarters of a billion um, dollars. So $764 million um, for 2019. So another another year of growth um, for the company. They slowed somewhat in terms of um, growth compared to 2018 when, I mean, that was a huge sort of organic growth year for them. Uh, this year, slightly more modest, um, still single digits in terms of, of the growth. And, and this year, well, I should say last year, 2019, it was driven um, in part by a number of acquisitions um, and in part organically also. But I think mostly organic still, right? We estimated the organic yeah. portion of the growth to be about $45 million. It, it looks like so. that. I mean, they, they did a lot of acquisitions, I think eight in total in 2019, but most were relatively small. So I think the largest okay. acquisition was of a media localizer called Lilo or Lilo, um, a Paris-based media localizer. And Isn't that the gaming company? Lilo, no, Mogi is the gaming company. Oh, okay, Lilo, sorry, yeah, yes. Lilo was, was the media localizer. Um, and yeah. they were around just under $15 million in revenue estimated. So, Good. so yeah, you're, you're right that still a lot of that growth will have been organic from, from TransPerfect. Um, so another now, sort of solid year for them as well. Let me ask you something. Why, mm. why does TransPerfect announce this at all? In January, I mean, I understand why SDL and RWS yeah. and all these publicly listed companies, you know, they have to. It's a regulatory requirement. But hmm. why does TransPerfect do this? That's a good question. Yeah. Uh, I mean, they like to announce that they're growing. Uh, who okay. doesn't? I suppose. Um, I mean, they're still they're still probably at the top. Um, I mean, obviously, Phil Shaw spoke at SlaterCon uh, San Francisco in 2019 as well, and his presentation was all about growth and growth trajectories. So, I mean, I think it's it's probably something which is kind of baked into the culture of the company now. Now it is, yeah, because previously they were uh, a lot more guarded and private, uh, and then yeah. they had this uh, this leadership struggle, all the litigation. So I think they yeah. decided to uh, become a lot more public. So yeah, it's interesting mm. that a private company would, you know, announce uh, less than yeah. four weeks into the year, you know, about their revenue and being very public about it, even though there's absolutely no need yeah. for them to do this publicly. Um, well, and it's good also, I mean, just to just to finish off the, se the section about TransPerfect, but I mean, uh, it's, it's interesting as well for them to comment on the key areas of growth for their business. You know, as we sort of look at um, key areas of growth for the, for the industry at large, um, I mean, I think TransPerfect identified, uh, obviously, media and, media and gaming would have been a huge area of growth for them because of the acquisitions in that space, um, or certainly moving forward, it will look, they're looking for it to obviously generate revenues. Um, also AI data collection, which, you know, we've, we've covered quite a lot on Slater um, over mm. the past couple of years. Um, they identified that as a, a strong contributor to their rev revenues, as well as um, the TMS. Um, so the TMS That's segment. interesting. Yeah. So, yeah. so they, they have a, I mean, their TMS is probably one of the biggest in the industry, if not the biggest. It's uh, mm. They have a lot of a lot of clients for that. All right, mm. let's move on to the M&A report because a lot of these companies, um, or these, I mean, TransPerfect grew partially through M&A and, um, and so did SDL. So, you know, M&A stands for mergers and acquisitions. And, uh, you know, the reason why we're covering this very actively is because the language industry is uh, heavily fragmented. So that means there is... There's a few of these large, large players at the top, but then you have dozens of 
you know, large to mid-sized players and then hundreds, if not thousands of very small players. So a lot of these uh, companies are looking to grow via acquisition. And the term for that is they call it M&A, mergers and acquisitions. Um, so this year, or rather last year, it was a very active year. And, and for us, we're tracking this. And the readers uh, or the people who are actually reading this report, buying this report and reading this report are, you know, founders who may be looking to sell their business eventually. Uh, or, you know, private equity funds that are owning some of these businesses and are, are looking to um, exit or private equity funds that are looking to enter the space and, and buy. Um, so there is there's uh, quite a large constituency of, of people who are uh, who are interested in this type of, of data. And it's it's very hard to get this type of data. So I think mm. they appreciate uh, somebody who actually collates it and puts it into into a report. Um, yeah. You know, we realize this is not the most relevant um, topic for, you know, the production side of the translation localization industry or the linguist side, but for anybody that, you know, has anything to do with the, the investment side, this is highly relevant. So you just maybe share a few of the highlights of the report with us. Yeah. I mean, I would say just one note that it potentially is relevant in some way for linguists, because I think the, where people are doing the areas that people are doing M&A, um, indicates sort of key interest key areas of interest for investors. Um, so it signals where growth is hopefully likely going to be for the for the market, which is also a good indication for linguists of potentially where, um, you know, that uh, future sources of work may come from. Yeah, you're right. That, that's maybe, my take on it as well. No, you're right. And it's also relevant in the sense that if you have two clients and they merge, then you end up right. having one client. <laughs> so... Yeah, yeah. <laughs> one so one, you... one one new client and uh, having to negotiate rates again. I would imagine That's right. potentially. Um, yeah, so I guess some key highlights from um, the M and A report. I mean, we now have I think it's three years worth, at least three years worth of data. But it's been three years that we've published this M and A report um, in some form. Um, I mean, for 2019, total transactions, so total numbers of deals, mergers and acquisitions were up again, um, quite significantly, I think about 20% on, on 2018. Uh, most of the deals that are happening still are company to company. So this is typically one, L one LSP buying another rather than um, an outside buyer coming looking for an LSP to buy or rather than an investment firm buying a an LSP. Hmm. Um, so, and on the investment side, there were fewer private equity backed LSPs doing deals in 2019. Um, so, you know, the likes of Lionbridge, We Localize, um, a bunch of others are backed by private equity firms. Um, but this year, in, what, in 2019, uh, there were fewer total deals done by the likes of, of those who, with private equity backers. And this is likely to be to be because there are a number of um, these private equity firms that are looking to exit their existing um, investments in, yeah. in LSPs. Um, so we, we know this already. Uh, and then geographically speaking, um, the US was the main location, really took center stage. I mean, I think in large part because TransPerfect was so active in M&A in 2019. Um, so the US was the, the top location for buyers um, it was also the top country for sellers. However, the top location for sellers was Europe. Um, so Europe had more than 50% of, of all sellers in 2019. So America is buying Europe. Oh, come on. 
<laughs> don't I mean, now, now you're gonna make me think about the nhs and all of that privatization anyway bad vibes but um Yes. So um, in terms, I guess, cross-border, so that was the other point I was going to make, is that on, on the geography side, um, a lot of the deals, about 50%, so it's a rough split, 50-50, between deals that are happening internally in countries, so someone in Germany buying someone else in Germany, um, mm. and cross-border. So for example, uh, a US buyer buying a US LS, uh, UK LSP. 50-50. Okay. Uh, and then in terms of verticals, I mean, I think it will come as no surprise that media localization, um, there was a big surge in um, acquisitions of uh, LSPs or media localizers, we'd call them, um, in this in this space. Again, that is somewhat skewed by Transperfect, who did seven deals in that space. Um, but also um, Straker, I think, did one or two. So that there was definitely a surge in the interest in media localization from buyers. And beyond that, multi-vertical. So LSP is doing more or less, you know, a range of uh, verticals. Also was the top, um, top sort of selling vertical in 2019. And beyond that, quite a good mix across, across the different specialisms. Okay. And then we also briefly covered the startup, but I think we already spoke about it uh, in a previous podcast, right? That yeah. uh, there's a fair amount of, there was a big, bit of an increase, uh, but you had Unbobble being kind of the standout in yeah. 2019. I think if you filtered Unbobble out, it would have been a normal year. Probably. Right? Yeah. Yes. I mean, yeah, <coughs> the number of deals, a number of investments are up. Uh, the number of or the amount of funding is up, but probably, yeah, Unbabble had a lot to do with that. Um, and then beyond that, I think key takeaways are probably AI is big, um, AI backed companies that tends to be um, the type of company that's getting interest. Hmm. Um, and for the for the core localization space, this obviously means neural machine translation. And I mean, they're calling it AI, right? It's just that in, yeah. in the marketing PR, it's, I mean, essentially it's, well, we're leveraging machine translation exactly. and then we're branding it as AI. Um, so, but I think it's hard to go to the investment community now with any translation related proposition if you don't Without. give it a very strong AI label, right? So that's, that's what we've seen. And that's, that's what the exactly investors right. like. Yeah. Yeah. <coughs> Excuse me. Um, yeah, great. So uh, lots of interest already in this report. And um, obviously, we're, uh, we're uh, you know, looking forward to speaking about it at, at future Slater cons as well. So one of the stories that I loved this week was um, uh, Amazon published a research paper that they're looking into machine dubbing. Right. So okay. last year I wrapped or last couple of years, I, I wrapped my head around cloud dubbing. I mean, we had uh, Stuart from the CEO of Zoo Digital at, at our 2018 SlaterCon and Zoo is very active with cloud dubbing, which means you can sit in, in your home or in like a home studio and, and you, you can dub um, from afar as opposed to having to go to a proper studio and, you know, with all the infrastructure around this. And uh, and so you, you, you have cloud dumbing, which is still very kind of frontier, next generation type of activity. And, yeah. and here we are, uh, you know, going through some of those research papers that are being published and finding that Amazon uh, is now going machine dubbing. And the researcher that was in the lead is no other than uh, a gentleman called Marcello Federico. And he has a long, long history in, in the language industry. In, in fact, he was... Uh, uh, among the co-founders of MateCat, uh, the cat okay. tool, yeah, yeah, which is uh, you know backed also or co-developed by Translated.net, 
he was also instrumental in the MMT machine translation um, platform, uh, Modern MT, which is also I'm not sure about uh, the exact uh, setup there, but co-developed or co-marketed by uh, Translated.net. So, but in in uh, September 2018, Marcello was hired by Amazon, AWS, and is you know moved to California and is now uh, a principal scientist. So, yeah, when I came across this paper, it was so interesting. So there, it was a limited trial. Uh, so they took a, a bunch of not a bunch of like uh, two dozen uh, TED talks. Yeah. Uh, English TED Talks, it took uh, um, maybe a 10, 20 uh, second sequence and then, you know, used uh, machi- like speech to text and machine translation and then text to speech and thereby dubbed the English TED Talk into Italian. And then they added like, you know, the background noise so it would seem more natural uh, mm-hmm. and they... They did like A, B, or C versions. And it was interesting. They mentioned that it when they tested it, they had 14 people testing it. And um, yeah. about a dozen of them were Italian native speakers and the rest were English speakers. And the mm-hmm. result uh, was actually different in terms of which group preferred which version. So the Italians oh, preferred yeah. one version and the non, and well, the, the, the English speakers preferred another version. So comprehension of language apparently does make a difference for that so it's you know okay so these were english speakers who understood italian no who were listening just, in italian just, or who they, they listened they, they they watched the italian watch and listen to the italian version without actually understanding the italian so they were just looking i mean they didn't understand what the person was saying uh, okay but they just, oh, like just looked just at it how, just the how impression kind of pleasing it was to the ear exactly right and okay. how aligned it is so uh, they found, uh, let me just read this off here. It says it's either, it was, um, the main problem was the unnaturalness of the speaking rate. It was either too slow, too fast, or too uneven. Mm. Um, uneven, okay. So, I mean, it's super hard. And it's yeah. kind of, it's next generation natural language processing. Yeah. But it's just, it's interesting when you speak to people from the media localization space, I mean, they're saying, look, uh, cloud dubbing, not so sure about it. You know, it would help if it worked, but we haven't really seen it working that well in that many scenarios yet. And here we are already looking at machine dubbing. So, Mm -hmm. you know, it's uh, it's moving quite, quite quickly there as well. But it's interesting when all of those things come together, isn't it? Because, I mean, separately from media localization, you have AI transcription happening. You have speech to text. Sorry, that is speech to text, but you have then synthetic voices happening, um, and it, it's it, it's interesting to see the final result when when you're trying to plug all of these things into each other. Very, um, yeah, exactly, and that's that's how they pitched it. They actually yeah. said uh, this is the first time somebody used what they called enhanced deep learning models for MT speech to text and audio rendering. So mm-hmm. yes, you're taking all of these components and you're putting them together. And when we were doing the research for the story, we were looking, well, is there something like automated dubbing? Has anybody done this in the past? Mm-hmm. And you're getting to like really bad YouTube videos where like somebody says they have a system, but it's like, it's basically just a voice, like a voiceover. I mean, somebody yeah. voiceovered um, uh, um, like a speech and it was, that it was given, it was, it was just atrocious, didn't work at all. Right. Yeah. So I think that this is actually quite uh, trailblazing. Um, and yeah, once you put all these components together, you can do you can do a lot of cool stuff. So uh, mm. let's maybe let's they should combine it with um, what is it, Synthesia, who does the the lips. 
the lipstuff. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's, that's like the final touch to uh, try. Yeah, I, I came across it. a few of those videos when we were researching the story. Um, it, yeah. it just looks still somewhat awkward. And mm. when people, I mean, an actor wouldn't want his lips to move differently. Right. I think I'm yeah. not sure about the future of this. Like when you're an actor, you're like, no, you're not going to AI change my lip movements. Like yeah. I'm a star. Right. <laughs> so, right. So yeah. I, I mean, that's also what uh, uh, I think somebody said at our London Media Localization panel in 2019. Yeah. They said, yeah, I think it was Jan, wasn't it? From that was a, a, yeah, that's going to be a hard. UK. That's yeah, that's going to be a hard sell to the acting community. It's true. Um, but generally dubbing is a major component and cost factor in, in media localization. So, sure. you know, any type of maybe not this type of full automation, but any help is is likely to go and find traction quite quite quickly. Yeah. Yeah. So we're knee deep in media localization anyway now because we're planning uh, the May conference in London. So anyway, very different topic. Moving on to the, the to Dutch who are on strike. Uh, apparently 1,500 to 2,000 uh, Dutch translators and interpreters are on strike because um, the government has put forward proposals um, to allow outsourcing, um, you know, in the judicial space and, and the courts mm-hmm. and police stations to uh, less qualified linguists and and uh, and translation okay. with the cult translation agency so they are actually on strike right now uh, and this is big repercussions to the system because you know if the police want to interview somebody who doesn't speak dutch then well there's yeah. no interpreter at the moment so so is it across all is is it a blanket strike across all languages how many I, people are striking I mean, if do you, you even know that yeah, there's, as I said, 1,500. So if you oh, have sorry, 1,500, right. Yeah, if you have 1,500, that's, to me, that seems a fair chunk of the overall interpreting and translation community or interpreting community in, in the Netherlands. So it's I think a lot it's, of people. It's a lot of people, and, and it's probably picked up more traction. So they're going to have to find a resolution relatively mm. quickly. Um, yeah, and it's, as I said, it's quite disruptive. So you have something from the UK. I mean, we have we had this mm. not similar stories. I mean, the UK was also a giant contract that was tendered out in 2011, and then then yeah. that was um, that, that caused a lot of problems and ripple effects down the road. But I think yeah. now they fixed it. But now there's there's another development. You said. Well, I mean, I think all of this stuff in the UK is kind of bubbling under the surface. I would say. I mean, obviously we had the kind of catastrophe and and, and lots of um, news coverage about the MOJ contract a while back. I mean, just because I think there's not a lot about it in the news, it doesn't mean that it's not still a problem. Um, Mm -hmm. I mean, I think generally rates are low. Interpreters in particular are quite unsatisfied um, in terms of what's happening with public sector interpreting. Um, But I mean, I think that some people are trying to take steps to improve the situation, as I understand it. So apparently the police force, for example, are looking into the possibility of paying guaranteed minimum rates um, to interpreters. So this would then require that any LSP or middleman would guarantee a minimum rate or a specific rate, I think, to interpreters and then tell the the contracting body the client essentially how much on top of that they would charge for their services um, so i think this is something which is in the works it's not been rolled out and i don't know the timeline for it um, okay. but i mean i think that that's something that probably a lot of interpreters would, would welcome um, in yeah. the space it's yeah. so different here i mean here being in, in switzerland where i'm where i live 
it's si- super decentralized still. There's no mm. kind of nationwide vendor that, that mm. takes the entire volume. It's individual interpreters that are, in, are on individual courts lists and then they just get pinged or, you know, certain police districts that ping, they have like a list with maybe 500 interpreters and they would they would just reach out to them individually. I think yep. that was the case in Denmark before they centralized and, you know, maybe now in, the, uh, in, in Holland, in the Netherlands, they want to also begin to centralize. So mm. it's, I think generally in Europe, it's still somewhat fragmented, maybe more like the, the Switzerland approach with maybe the exception of some of the Nordic countries and, and, and the UK. Um, but, uh, but here it's just very, very different. I, uh, mm. I wonder if they're ever going to try this approach here as well, but then again, they should go to Denmark and the UK and, uh, you know, look for lessons learned. So, mm. um, yeah. And so we're, we spoke a bit about those meetups, uh, in one of our previous podcasts. So I'm heading to the, uh, MT meetup probably in early, um, what's that early February in, in Zurich here. It's actually very interesting. It's put uh, on by a company called tech shuttle, uh, mm-hmm. and an empty, well, I don't know, empty tech and service provider, I guess you would call them now kind of a smart move. I mean, they're calling it a meetup, but in, in a sense, it's kind of a great lead gen, um, <laughs> lead generation right. event for, for them as well. Right. Yeah. Um, but it was, it, it started out as a fairly academic affair and, and now it's quite business focused and there's a fair amount of you know service buyers there and 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 also linguists so it's uh it's quite an interesting quite an interesting event mm. um what about you you're you're getting ready for ottawa at some point yeah um, yeah heading to ottawa canada at the end of february so yeah just putting in place preparations for that um but yeah, I think we spoke about that one already. I'm going to go speak at the Alia event, yeah, um, which should be interesting. First time, or will be my first time in Canada. First time in Canada. Nice. Mm. Okay. Yeah. Very nice. But, but no, beyond beyond that, no real travel plans. I mean, that's just going to be a very quick stop. Uh, and yeah. Then, and yeah. unfortunately, SlaterCon, the next SlaterCon is going to be in London. So that's just down I the know. road. <laughs> so you went yeah, to no, check No, I don't out- get to travel anywhere. No. <laughs> well, it's good. 20 minutes You're- down the road. 20 minutes down the road. So you went to check out the location. Actually, I haven't, uh, I haven't been there before. I was just looking at the picture. Yeah. So it, it's, it's a pretty cool location, right? Yeah, it's really nice. Um, so right on top of Liverpool Street Station. So pretty central um, for anyone coming from the city um, or obviously, yeah, kind of commuting in, whatever. Uh, nice hotel as well. One of these sort of boutique ones that's, I think, quite we an like old those. build. Oh, we like that. Yeah, it's, a, it's got character. It's an old building that's been refurbed and, and done up to really high specs. So, yeah, I'm looking forward to, to being there in May. And we got the exhibition space. So this is mm. the first time we actually were, were, you know, were allowing sponsors to put out booths, right? So there's like okay. an outdoor yeah. area um, or outside of the main conference, um, well, room. So uh, I think uh, it's it took us a while to wrap our heads around that and get some, some of these uh, booth suppliers in line. But yeah, I'm not going to bore people with, with details there, but it's, uh, it's, it's an interesting, it's an interesting challenge now to put on a bigger show. So um, mm. I guess the next couple of weeks, next two, three, four weeks are going to be fully, we're going to be very occupied by, uh, with, uh, with, uh, with, you know, setting this up, but you know, still, still time to get some early birds, super early bird tickets. Got about seven days left and then uh, we're moving to the next pricing stage. So you better buy your ticket now. So on that uh, plug, <laughs> let's uh, <laughs> let's end it for today. We almost did half an hour, so that's uh, 
That's great. Well, thanks a lot, Esther. Thanks, Warren. See you later. All right. Cheers. Bye. Bye. Thank <laughs> you.